from the high desert and the great American Southwest, I bid you all good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be in the world, covered by 24 time zones and like a blanket by midnight in the desert. I'm Art Bell. Hi there. It's uh, greater than you know uh, to be here tonight. It's amazing to be back tonight. Last night I was sitting here doing the open that I'm doing right now, and buzzers went off, phones started going crazy, and, you know, I didn't stop. I mean, when people start trying to reach you, unless unless it's uh, some kind of dire emergency, uh, you don't stop doing a talk show open and then, you know, like, pick the phone, say hi. So none of that got to me, so I did my open, you know, happily uh, trudging away. Came to a break, finally, called Keith, and, well, turns out... Let me give you the rules for the show. We, we have two rules only for this show. No bad language, unless it is to tonight describe the people that cut off the Internet down there. And one call per show. But even in the case of describing the people that cut off the Internet, you can't use the bad language. I was just kidding about that. Just, you know, like wishful thinking. Um, so, you know, we were not on last night, and uh, the Internet actually went off at 8.58. Now, I'm not saying that is a suspicious time, but, hey, that is a suspicious time. You know why? Because in my experience, Internet companies, especially the big ones, you know, Phoenix, right, they don't uh, do... When he called, when Keith called, they said scheduled maintenance. Right? Scheduled maintenance? Really? Scheduled maintenance at 9 o'clock? Really? Right in the middle of primetime TV? Really? I don't think so. You know, that's what, like, the guy who answered the phone said. But he probably also said it's sunspots. And then when it wasn't fixed by 7 o'clock this morning, like they said, then they said, well, no, now it's a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's a problem. Um, so it didn't come back until 5 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, that's the bottom line. And Phoenix, of course, is a uh, a point of failure. You could think of it uh, as that, but it's really a point of work. It's where Keith works, and he puts in spots, um, and he does all kinds of yeoman's work down there. He, he's really busy, actually. Uh, so... Anyway, it's a big deal, and uh, that's why we weren't here last night. Really, really, really frustrating when you actually are starting a show, and then you're told, well, you're not on. So I trudged home with my coffee canister and coffee cup, sort of with my head down. Listen, there is something, uh, going back to what I was starting to say last night, that is so funny on the website right now that you've got to go see it. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, I forget the guy's name. Uh, Mike Gingrich did it, and it is. You remember when I described my intuition experience? I've done it a million times, right? Well, somehow he caught the last one, and he put it to a video a piece of animation that is <laughs> I'm telling you it's hilarious. So when you go to artbell.com tonight, you'll uh, see the guest information. Then below that, you're going to see the breaking news I'm going to tell you about here in a minute. And uh, below that is the animation. Um, 
it's well let me put it this way Keith is not the first person I would list when I would talk about sense of humor he he does a lot of things very well computers and many things well but um sense of humor not not so much he's pretty much a business guy but he said when he watched this he laughed so hard he couldn't stop and it went on for a long time uh may or may not hit you that way it did kind of hit me that way too the usual thank yous to telos joe talbot thank you for the great sound keith of course the webmaster we just talked about heather wade my producer don't forget if you've got a guest suggestion Send it off to producer at artbell.com. Stream guys, LV.net, sales, Pete Eberhardt, tune in radio, news, our own Amy Martin, as you know. Okay, so I've kind of got some more for you here in the term, in terms of, you know, station keeping, if you will. I would like to welcome a new affiliate tonight, and that would be KQQQ in Pullman, Washington, uh, 11.50 a.m. and 104.7 FM. Welcome to the show, you guys. Really happy to have you. There is astounding affiliate information that I can't talk about. This kind of stuff, it kills me. It absolutely kills me. I mean, I know about these amazing things that are going on. <laughs> I can't talk about it. You know, I'm co-owner of the company, but I know, I mean, it's just I can't talk about it. Mama said something about eggs and hatching and counting and something. So, All right, so I this is breaking news, what I'm going to read you. There's so much news to talk about, it's hard to know where to start. Scientists... This is from the anomalous.com, and I trust them. And we've got our own story up at artbell.com about it. But here is the way the anomalous.com wrote it, and I love it. Scientists at Large Hadron Collider hope to make contact with parallel universe in days. This news has sort of quietly slipped under the radar, buried under the latest Kardashian updates and other useless news, but... This is absolutely another top contender for headline of the year, which we've been talking about, that other story. Even though these scientists believe this is possible and that our gravity, our gravity, could actually leak into the other universe, which, by the way, is how we think we might detect another universe, gravity, uh, they reassure us that everything will be fine, stating that, well, the worst that could happen is that it could trigger uh, the implosion and destruction of the entire universe. No biggie. <laughs> Hopefully, if this controversial experiment is a success, it will only trigger a few more glitches in the matrix. I love that. And spare us the universe-wide destruction. <laughs> I love the way they put it could trigger the implosion and destruction of the entire universe. That's it, guys. Pour the power on. And, in fact, the uh, Hadron Collider is going to be at the highest power ever uh, used at the Hadron Collider, just so you know. So I'll be waiting for that. If it happens, I assume we just sort of blink out, which is not a bad way to go, all things 
considered, maybe we pop into another universe where we just sort of continue as we were. Uh, briefly, looking around the world, or around the country at least, let me see. The U.S. and Russia put into practice Tuesday new rules. These are war rules, right? Designed to minimize the risk of air collisions between Russian and U.S. Uh, coalition aircraft over Syria. We say that it's not that big a deal. It's just an outline. And besides, Russia is helping us to death over there, and they're not bombing the right people. But still, and all, we don't want to bump into them. Millions of fans cried out in joy as they saw the latest trailer for Star Wars. It's called The Force Awakens. I can feel it almost in my bones, right? The Force Awakens in all of us. But um, Luke Skywalker is not in the marketing clip. How could that possibly be? Could the Force not be with Luke? We'll have to wait and see, I guess. Maybe they did it intentionally just to freak everybody out. Oh, no, Luke's gone. 61 uh, wingsuit skydivers have flown into the record books, creating a diamond-shaped formation while soaring right over California. Before breaking apart, floating to the ground, the group set the record for the largest such formation Saturday at Skydive Paris, 80 miles southeast of Los Angeles. Cool. Pretty cool stuff, huh? There's a story floating around about Ivanka Trump when she was six years old. This is Trump's daughter, right? She's actually a class act. I'm sure you've seen her on something. Anyway, at six, she had gotten a Barbie for Christmas while her two brothers had gotten Legos and an erector set. So she grabbed some super glue, locked herself in the bedroom, and built a unbreakable Lego model of Trump Tower. Uh, my father has scolded me, uh, she said, but never was so proud. And I've got to say that uh, Ivanka Trump is a, kind of an interesting gal. Uh, she's very sophisticated. She's gone to the best schools, of course. And, uh, she is a force. There's no question about it. Ivanka Trump is something to behold. So um, she's extremely literate, um, and she's going play. Well, she's already arrived, actually. But it's not like spoon in the mouth, you know. This this girl has has it together. Oh, Vice President Biden is sounding like he may run against Hillary. And he sort of hit at Clinton a little bit. One more thing I want to say, then we'll take a break and do tonight's important business with Dr. Jacobs. Uh, we are accepting Halloween ghost stories. This is going to be tough, but here's how you do it. If you've got a good ghost story, we haven't even named the program yet. Don't even know what I'm going to call it. Send your ghost story with a telephone number where we can reach you at airtime. But actually, no we. It's just me. So I'll have to do it during a break. But if you've got a Class A ghost story, and I mean scary stuff, I want scary stuff, email me at just a very short little um, summary. And uh, your phone number. Send it to artbell at knye.com. That's artbell, A-R-T-B-E-L-L, at K-N-Y-E, kilowatt, Nancy, Yokohama, easy. Artbell at uh, 
KNYE.com. Okay, so there you have it. Coming up is Dr. David Jacobs. And this is about no less than an invasion of Earth. Insufficient for, I mean, when somebody says invasion of Earth, it's not like you say, oh yeah, do the show and then say next. Uh, no, no, no. We need to hear more, and so we shall invasion. Oof. Kingdom of Nye. This is Midnight in the Desert with Art Bell. Please call the show at 1-952-225-5278. That's 1-952-CALL-ART. Don't, don't call yet. Uh, we're just getting started here. But thank you, Ross. Welcome back, everybody. All right. And I also don't want to uh, not talk about the megastructure story. It is as big as ever. Uh, 1,500 light years away, yes, but uh, scientists believe they have found megastructures. The word they used after they exhausted every other possibility, it was found by Kepler. It is star KIC, K-I-C-8462852. And the flickering has been interpreted after rejecting everything else as a swarm of megastructures. <laughs> I know, uh, but this is from legitimate scientists, many of them in different locations. So this story will stay with us while we consider extinction via collider. <laughs> oh, God, what a lot of news. And that includes what's coming up. David Michael Jacobs is a retired professor of history at Temple University in Philadelphia. He's been a UFO researcher since 1966 and 73, completed his doctoral dissertation in the field of intellectual history at the University of Wisconsin-Madison on the uh, controversy over unidentified flying objects in America. He was the second Ph.D. degree ever granted with a dissertation involving a UFO-related theme. He has written and delivered many articles, papers, and addresses on the subject of UFOs and abductions. He has been a consultant to the major to major UFO organizations from 77 through 2011. That's 1977 through 2011. He taught the country's only regular curriculum university course on UFOs and abductions, UFOs and American Society. It was called. Since the early 80s, he specialized in the UFO abduction phenomenon. He has investigated over 1,150 abductions with 150 different individuals. And during our last program, as I bring Dr. Jacobs on, we began talking about um, human-alien hybrids. Now, at some point in the interview, I said, I think, Dr., you're talking about an invasion underway of Earth right now. And his, I believe he said, uh, you said it, I didn't. 
I think that's the way it went. Right, Doctor? Something like that, yep. <laughs> yep, something like that. Okay. I think so, yeah. All right, so when you're talking about an invasion of Earth, as I said earlier, it is not something that you say, oh, yeah, get as much as you can in a couple of hours and then go next and talk about whatever. Uh, it's just like, hey, let's go back to this invasion of Earth thing. This is serious. <laughs> very serious. And uh, you, well, sh you should begin by telling everybody it is. In other words, what you're presenting here is indeed an invasion of Earth. I can't get away from it. It is true. That's, that is what I'm saying. And it's, it's, on one hand, I want to tell everybody I want to scream it from the highest mountaintops. On the other hand, it's profoundly embarrassing, and I sound like an idiot. Huh. You know, see, that sounds like a rational person to me. You sound very rational when you say that. Um, I, I understand. It makes you sound like an idiot. We're being invaded. Uh, makes you think of movies, the pod people, whatever. Right. So we're going to have and to describe to everybody what's going on here. Um, and when you realized that... You know, you were not just talking about abductions anymore, uh, that this was something more serious. Well, what I did was I, I expanded the idea, the, the version of abductions. I expanded uh, uh, the definition of abductions to include that a person is abducted uh, when he's under control by an alien of any sort um, in real time in any location. Okay. So it, they don't have to be abducted on board a UFO. Got it. It could be uh, in a supermarket. It could be any anywhere, and they're suddenly under control, and they do what the, the biddings of this uh, um, alien, uh, usually a hybrid, um, uh, tells them to do or asks them to do or whatever. So you're saying in the, in the middle of a vegetable section of a, a Walmart or something, you could suddenly be plucked away? Generally speaking, what would happen would be the abductee would take a hybrid. Now, there's there's a, obviously a long lead-up to this rather than just at random, but would take a hybrid, a, a known hybrid that, that, that he or she has worked with, and take them into a supermarket to show them, for example, what a supermarket is, how it works, what the food is like, how you would cook certain foods, uh, how you handle other foods, like let's just say a carton of eggs, how you um, how you check out, how you get change, how you put stuff back in the basket or the cart, and then you know go out into the parking lot and put it in the cart. Stuff stuff like that. All right, so so you sort of jumped ahead to the training. Uh, that you're talking about now, I believe. Right. Um, so, all right. So let's back up because a lot of people probably are just tuning in tonight, saying, "What? What? Invasion of Earth? What? 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 What?" So you're you maintain that there were abductions that were going on, and that slowly uh, people have started showing up that are human alien hybrids. Yes. Right. Actually, Bud Hopkins first discovered this back in the uh, in the nineteen uh, early nineteen nineties or late nineteen late uh, in nineteen eighties. Now that I think about it, and 
uh, he he called these uh, uh, he called these beings hybrids. Uh, the the first time we'd ever seen it was in the, uh, a woman claimed that she was given a baby to hold who looked sort of half alien and half human. By alien, she meant gray alien. And uh, uh, it was an astonishing case that I had never heard before and never had he heard of anything like that before. And he said that uh, he, he called it an, a hybrid baby. And from that time on, uh, we uh, there, there were lots of cases like that, and uh, uh, we saw them as, as toddlers, as young, as kids, as older kids, as adolescents, and and as young adults and and, and adults. So so uh, and they became sort of a staple of the abduction phenomenon. Although a lot of people would just go up, uh, would be abducted, and just have table procedures, and then just sort of come back down. All right, can I interrupt and ask, does this mean, Doctor, that aliens are abducting women, doing some sort of uh, modification to a fetus or something that's early on and implanting it, and then this woman has her child and that becomes the hybrid, or what? Right, that's exactly right. Sperm is taken from men, eggs are taken from women, they're taken out into some other place. They are uh, there is a fertilization of the ova, and there is an alteration in that ova. Um, the alteration, my guess is alien DNA. And once again, if I do not know whether aliens have DNA, I, I, I can't make that judgment. I do not know that. Or or but, uh, altered human DNA. Or it's an altering of human DNA. But but then again, when the hybrids come out. Uh, looking what I call early stage, they really look like gray aliens with some human features. So, so my guess is that there's actually some something from the gray aliens that is that is uh, put yeah. into the uh, into the ova and the sperm that have been fertilized. <sighs> but but you have to understand that one of the things that astounded us when we first began to look at this subject was we understood that these beings were automatically and absolutely and positively and without question going to have extremely advanced technology. Sure. Which is what everybody describes, because our technology is brand new, and theirs might be just a touch bit older, which might be a million years. <laughs> uh, right. So, um, but what we didn't expect, what, what, what just threw us for a loop, was their knowledge of human physiology, biology, neurology, uh, uh, everything human. They were absolute uh, wonders at it. They were amazing. All right, but doctor, good. doctor, doesn't doesn't this make sense? I mean, this has been going on for years. Let's think about it. Not just human beings, doctor, but the cows that have been abducted, the animals that have been abducted. They've looked at their physiology, then finally humans being abducted. Now we have what? We have half alien, half humans, or or some portion thereof being alien in humans that are growing up. And so, uh, right. you know, in other words, it's been going on a long time. We we don't have the evidence for cows and horses being abducted. That is enough evidence to, to make this a strong to make a strong case for it. We know that they're interested in them. 
uh, we know that they're, they have a vague passing interest in a dog or a cat or something. Uh, but it's, it's humans that they're focused on. They're, they're definitely focused on humans. Got it. Uh, and we know that they have been doing this for probably the better part of the 20th century, maybe leading into the late 19th century. All right. Well, indeed, all of the early abductions, Doctor, it did seem to include semen from men. It was embarrassing, actually, for a lot of the stories to come out, and eggs taken from women. We have story after story after story like that. So, you know, that backs up what you're saying. I, I know it's true. I interviewed Bud Hopkins. I interviewed so many others including Whitley Strieber, and, and what you're saying is correct. That's what they have taken. That's exactly right. That, and that happens uh, most of the time, most of the time, and it still is happening most of the time, uh, even though it, it would be about the last thing that a person would want to say if they were making this up. Oh, yeah. It's much easier to say they gave me a message and sent me back and told me to spread the word about X, Y, or Z, or whatever, the environment, or atomic bombs, or whatever it is. Usually it's help the planet before it crashes, that kind of thing. Right. That's a lot easier to say than they took sperm from me, or they took eggs from me, or whatever. You know, that's, that's, there's no reason in this world to ever say anything like that if you're making it up. It just adds a, an aura of embarrassment, you know what I mean? So, uh, but in fact, all abductees describe this, and, uh, uh, and, and I can say all abductees with a relative degree of certainty, uh, because it starts in childhood and goes into old age. All right, so, all right, hold on, doctor. Hold on, we've got to take a break. not radio, but it is what's next. To cast your ray of light into the darkness, please call 1-952-CALL-ART. That's 1-952-225-5278. That's no joke. We are what's next. Hi, everybody. I am Art Bell. Professor David Jacobs is here. Professor Jacobs is saying the earth is being invaded. His book uh, aptly is called Walking Among Us, and uh, this is serious stuff. Actually, is quite serious stuff. Um, uh, professor, um, just a quick off-the-wall question. Um, how old, uh, if, if they have uh, grown in linear years, how old would you imagine the oldest human hybrid today to be? Well, the oddity of that is that people do not report elderly um, uh, uh, hybrids, uh, they, uh, 70 or 80 or whatever. They, they, we just don't get those. Uh, uh, we might, and they might just look the same as they did when they were 50, for all I know. But we don't know uh, if that's the case or if, in fact, uh, they die early. I, I would doubt that, or if they're used for behind-the-scene tasks or if they're just jettisoned into deep space uh, who who knows what all right well i i think that you've sort of hit it um you don't hear about older ones now i i'm 70 i think i'm safe but the question is when this program you know goes to when this program began in other words if they continue to grow and get older you would think that whenever this program began 
you could sort of estimate uh, the age of the hybrid if they're growing in linear human years, which I would I think they are. They indeed are. They appear to grow in linear human years, um, and therefore they have a lifespan. But we don't know how long that lifespan is and if they're used for other purposes. In other words, the phenomenon of abductions uh, uh, goes back, you know, as I said, perhaps the last quarter of the 19th century, but certainly back to the teens and 20s and 30s and so forth. And um, so they've been doing this for uh, for a long time. It, you know, another uh, couple of years, it'll be coming up to, uh, you know, maybe even 100 years or something. Oh. That means that um, I don't know whether they've been producing hybrids this whole time. They might just have been producing abductees this whole time. Well, I think early on they were researching, and uh, then they made changes, and then they started making hybrids, it would seem to me. The research came first. Yes, that had to be. They had to first come here. Then they had to do research on the planet and on the civilization that they found, basically the, bio, the biology of humans. Right. Uh, and then they had to make the decision that this was a planet that they wanted, that this was, this was a ripe one. This one agreed with them. Uh, there was something about it that they wanted. Well, we're a, we're a pretty blue planet. We've got a lot of uh, a lot of water, a lot of good land. We've got a lot of uh, natural resources. So I would think, you know, as you look around the universe, uh, which they're certainly doing with what we're doing with Kepler, uh, they were finding a lot of Earth-like planets, but uh, we seem to be quite special. So, well, yeah. yeah, who knows how special we are? We might be special. There might only be, let's just say, a trillion of us out there. Hmm? We don't know how many Earth-like planets are out there. They're finding more and more that are in the Goldilocks zone right. just by looking through glass t- telescopes. Uh, uh, in, in a thousand years from now, if we're still around, they will be finding many, 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 many more. Uh, here's the argument. This is what I call it the argument for two. You can make the case that we are alone in the universe. The UFO uh, phenomenon and the abduction phenomenon is just a fig newton of our imaginations. You can make that that case. It's a stupid case, but it's been made by scientists, and there is a book called Rare Earth, which talked about how the the uh, the moon hit the earth and the Mars hit the earth and whatever and the, and the, the earth's tilt and the and, and the destruction of the dinosaurs and the uh, the coming of the primates uh, you know it, it was such a whole series of unlikely events that their argument was we're the only advanced technological life in the universe um, if you think that UFOs are extraterrestrial and not just mistakes. And if you think that abductions are real and not just mental constructs, mm-hmm. then there's at least one other group out there who is abducting us. Now, uh, okay, that was going to be a question. Before you continue, at least one other group. How many right, groups but, do you think may be involved, sir? Well, here's the thing. Let's just talk about this one All first. Right. All right. Abducting aliens. You. Therefore, there are two advanced uh, species out there, us and them. But you can't make an argument for two. That becomes ridiculous. That becomes nonsensical. That's a laugher. If you're making an argument for two, 
you're making an argument for two billion. There can't be just two. You okay. see what I mean? If there's yes. two, there's 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 millions. And and I'm probably playing it down by saying that. So you have to assume, you just have to assume that the universe is teeming with a advanced terrestrial uh, technological life because we've already seen one of them, and that is good enough. There's two of them, there's us and them, and then that means automatically they're all over the place. All right, Professor, how about this? Um, it seems if there's more than one working on us, as it were, they must be a coalition of the willing, so to speak, um, <laughs> because they seem to have the same agenda. I'm not making light of this. I'm, I'm just trying to think of, you know, it, it does seem as though what you're saying with walking among us is that we are being changed in a methodical way. And that would, if there was more than one race, that would require co cooperation, right? Right. But I think that we, that these aliens who are, uh, who are just abducting aliens are the ones who have this planet. I, in some way, they, this planet is essentially theirs. Now, it is possible that there are non-abducting aliens who literally, truly are visiting us. This is a, a word used by people who believe in the abduction phenomenon but think okay. it's all wonderful. And all right. They're visiting like visitors, and visitors are welcome into our house, you know. Uh, but... Um, there might be, you know, just curious other ones are flying about, and, and, and those might be the ones we see for all we know. Uh, uh, but in terms of abducting, all around, this is a global phenomenon, and everybody around the world describes basically the same aliens, the same procedures, the same insides of the UFOs, the same everything. To my point. So it seems to be one major unified group that is doing this, that is... Uh, doing what I call planetary acquisition. They are taking over this planet for reasons that we do not know uh, and uh, will eventually, I think, supplant humans just through the process of, of uh, not hybridization, but the process of, of not only hybridization, but making abductees, because abductees are intergenerational and... Uh, which means that uh, if it, one person is an abductee and gets married to a person who's not an abductee and they have four kids, or two kids rather, those two kids will be abductees, and then whoever they get married to, almost certainly non-abductees, all their children will be abductees. And eventually, everybody in the world will be an abductee. And then it's a done deal. They've got the planet. It's a done deal. They've got the planet. All right, all right. Let's back up, Doctor. Um, and don't be afraid to hold back here. <laughs> All right, let's move back a little bit. Um, a few basic questions. As we look around at people today, how are we to know that we are looking at an abductee? Can we learn to know to see them? I would say, and I'm guessing here, maybe 90%, 95%, and if I'm really, 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 really conservative, I'll say 85% of all abductees do not know that they're abductees at all. Don't have a clue. But but they that wasn't the question. The question was, can we learn to see them, to know them when we see them? An abductee or a hybrid? A hybrid. Oh, a hybrid is different. The answer is no. Just like I, just like abductees, you can't tell who's an abductee, you can't tell who's a hybrid. Now, 
people have said, oh, I've seen this guy's got cat eyes. He's got cat eyes. And I know aliens have cat eyes, you know, (laughs) and I never believed in cat eyes. And cat eyes are ridiculous until I saw a thing on television. It was an interview with this woman who had cat eyes. Uh. And then I looked it up, and it's some horrible ophthalmological problem that leads inevitably to blindness. Oh, my God, you don't want to do that. Um, but now people say, well, you know, they're walking around, they got black eyes. And the answer is no, no, no. Unless they're a boxer, they don't got black eyes. <laughs> uh, they, <laughs> they're, 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 the, the ones who are moving into the society, who are, have been coming into the society, look average. They go for the average. They're they they're around five nine, which is the average height of a of a male. Uh, the, the females are shorter. Uh, they look just the same. They don't look out of the ordinary at all. They don't stand out. Their their job is to blend in and not attract attention to themselves. All right, but there must be something, are, Professor. What about behavioral traits? What about the political views, hell, I don't know. There must be something different in some way about them. Right. Well, first of all, neurologically, there is a difference. It's a slight difference, just ever so small. And that difference is they can control humans totally and completely make them think, believe, or see, or do anything they want whenever they want. All right, so they have the ability to control human minds. They have the neuro. They have a neurological ability that we can only guess at. There's no way we can possibly imagine how they do this, but they do it. And all abductees, all of them, from the very first event we ever found, the Antonio Villas-Vos event, uh, abduction in Brazil in 1957, they all had that quality, all of them. Well, I, I, I don't want to be fuzzy about this. I want to understand this all the way. In other words, you're saying neurologically, whatever it is, they are able to actually control the thoughts or actions of humans, Yes. That is correct, and they and it's a clandestine phenomenon, so they can make humans forget what happened to them, whether they were in a supermarket or on board a UFO, uh, immediately after afterwards, within seconds. Are you suggesting, Doctor or Professor, that, that for example, uh, they could make somebody? I'm just going to pick something really wild here. They could they could make somebody walk into an establishment and open fire with a gun. And um, then let's say uh, when the police capture them, if they do, usually they end up killing themselves. But, well, okay, let's go with that. So could they make somebody go in, kill a bunch of people, and then dispatch themselves? I don't know that. I don't know that. But my guess is yes. And there's a a little piece in the book, and I wrote this chapter very carefully about abductees being trained to do things that gray aliens and hybrids do. Uh, And one of the things that this one woman was supposed to do was there was another abductee in a room. She sat behind a glass window with a, uh, with a a hybrid who was helping her. And uh, she was supposed to, uh, he thought, the hybrid in the room, when we was just standing in the room, got an image in his mind that he was standing uh, uh, on, a, on a bridge, and she 
her task was to make him jump off the bridge. My God. And she she could do that. She They didn't advance it that far, but it was doable for her with the help of this other hybrid. She was being trained. That was the thing. She was being trained at the time. Uh, but... Oh. Um, uh, so, yes, they could. Now, there's no indication that the hybrids have that kind of violence built into them. Everybody, uh, you know, there's a gun for every man, woman, and child in, in the United States, so everybody get their guns out, blow their brains out now. Uh, I just don't, I, I don't see that as a scenario. Maybe I just like to look on the happy side of things. No, you don't. I don't. No, you don't, Professor. You, you are the only one I know who looks at things, I think, realistically. Everybody else is Kumbaya City. Uh, that the aliens are here to help us, they'll prevent nuclear war, they'll make the crops grow better, whatever. You know, they're here to help us, and you're the only one I know who isn't in that camp, frankly. I, and I, I, don't, I just don't understand that. I just wish my, my, my dear friend Bud Hopkins was still alive, who, who was beginning to, to suspect that this was going on at the same time, and, and, and I would talk, tell him about stuff, and he, would, he was hearing stuff also, but... He, uh, by by 2009, uh, and uh, he had wound down considerably in a, doing abduction uh, work because he was so ill. And, of course, he died in 2011. Can I ask a question, please, uh, regarding sure. Bud? And that is this. How close, Doctor, do you think uh, Bud Hopkins was to concluding what you have concluded? Well, I, he... The difference between us was that he did more of he did a, a kind of a macro uh, um, study of abductees across the country. He right. did a, right. a huge number of people. Uh, most of them only had uh, one or two sessions with him. Uh, I worked with a, a smaller group of people who I worked with sometimes for decades. And I looked at a lot of different experiences that they were having. And I looked at, at experiences that they, were, that they would have the night before. Or the morning that they came to see me, for example, mm. uh, um, something a woman came in once and she said she had bent time, and I said, "Oh, no, that's always I could do that." You know, how do you do that? And she said, "Well, she comes from New Jersey and she gets on the Ben Franklin Bridge, and uh, she, she knows exactly how long it's going to take her to get here, and uh, she started out really late, and she knew she was going to be late, and she came right on time." And she doesn't remember a whole lot about the trip, but she came right on time. And she, so she bent time, she told me. So we looked at that. And um, she was abducted. Uh, uh, I think they, they got her off to a side road or something like that from, from 95. She was coming down. Uh, for, I mean, from uh, uh, Route 30, I guess she was on going across to approach Ben Franklin Bridge here. And... Um, the next thing she knew, she was on board this object. The car was there with her, too, I believe. And they put her down. I asked her about this very carefully. I said, did you pay the toll to get into Philadelphia? And she couldn't remember that uh, because she still had, apparently she still had her money ready uh, when, she, <laughs> when she arrived to my house to pay the toll. They put her back on the other side of the Delaware River, on the Philadelphia side, closer to me. And she bent time, and she came right on time. Uh, she was only abducted for about a half an hour or 20 minutes or whatever it was, uh, and they just had to do some minor thing with her. 
but um, uh, but they, they can they can do things like that. They 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 follow people. They they can they know where they are. They can they can find them anywhere, and it's clandestine. It's secret. That that's the key thing. Without secrecy, there would be no abduction phenomenon. We have known about it years and years and years ago. We would have known about it in World War II. We would have found out ways by putting the best scientists together. And you got to remember, I, uh, uh, Einstein was around then, and Frederick and Teller, and uh, and and Heisenberg, and, and, and there were all sorts of major, major, major scientists around who would recognize this as a threat to the as an existential threat. All right, hold on, Professor. Uh, stay right there. We're at a break point. It's a short one, two minutes. We'll be right back. They must be in our political and business structure very deeply now, right? Wonderful. Just wonderful. This is Midnight in the Desert. I'm Art Bell. Midnight matters are best handled by those that understand how to move in the darkness, like Art Bell. To call the show, please dial 1-952-CALL-ART. That's 1-952-225-5278. Oh, I know how to move in the darkness, all right. My guest is Professor David Jacobs, and I would say he's putting a lot on the line. He's telling us that Earth is being invaded. Right. No joke, Earth being invaded by... uh, these hybrids, these uh, creatures, if you will, that look like us, cannot be identified as not being us, and have the ability to control minds. What an interesting way to take control of a planet. Now, I, I said as we were leaving, or you know, as we were leaving and headed to this last break, that by now they would be, I think, deeply infiltrated into our business and political community, in fact, in virtually everything, but no doubt in the important areas, right, Professor? It, it, it depends on what you mean by important areas. Uh, I uh, the military-industrial complex. Well, I I don't know. Uh, it's for them. Everything is a, lear- a learning situation. In other words. Uh, now, this is just a group of people I've been working with, and they have a certain age, and so I don't know what people who are a hundred years old now and have not had any experiences for the past, you know, 25 years or whatever. I don't know what happened with them and whether they went through this procedure or whether or not um, hybridization is relatively new. It started, let's just say, in the year 2000 or something like that. I, I don't really know that. Um, however, um, uh, they don't seem to. One of the things that I noticed early, early on, even before I started doing um, abduction uh, hypnosis, about uh, just looking through Bud's files and looking at. Uh, um, and talking with Bud and, and talking with Bud's abductees and sitting in on sessions and all the rest of that stuff, these beings, whether they were insect-like ones or reptilian-like ones or gray-like ones or hybrids of any stripe, uh, they never asked questions about Earth's 
organizational structures or business structures or governmental structures never asked any questions about those things. Hmm. Uh, didn't seem to care. Maybe they didn't need to ask about that. Maybe their own observations had already told them all they needed to know. That is entirely possible. My guess was, though, and I still think that this is true, is that we will be living under the structures of the leaders of of the of the uh, the group of the uh, what I call the insectal ones, the insect-like ones, who apparently appear to who apparently appear to be the ones in control, the ones in charge. Right. That they will have the structures, and when you take a look at what's going on on board the UFO, everybody is bred for a task. Everybody knows exactly what they're doing. Everything runs smoothly uh, from what we can tell. Every once in a while there's a, a problem, and abductee will get loose and run down a hallway. Uh, they have, uh, the, uh, they know how to, there's a standard operating practice for them to deal with that. Uh, they've probably seen this a million times. And everything runs extremely smoothly. I don't know how this thing is going to be played out. I don't know if they're going to take over the White House or, or anything like that. Uh, I don't know if they'll just control the president or anything like that. Or, you know, I, and the interesting thing about that, once again, in all these I don't know situations, it, it all leads to the authenticity of the accounts that we hear from abductees because if they were making it up, if it was fake, if they were, if it was just psychological, they would make up what was going to happen in the future as well. They, sure. they just make it up. The aliens told me that uh, that they were going to sit in the Oval Office, you know. Uh, they, they don't know what an Oval Office is. My guess is they don't know what a president is. They don't know what the name of the country is, the United States of America. They or there's another possibility, Professor, and that is that they don't care because the way they're doing it right now, they don't need to care. Yeah, exactly. You know, most most humans don't care. <laughs> they go about their jobs. They they just do their own work, and they know they live in the United States. But yeah, yeah. Uh, they may not vote. Let's just say too much trouble. They uh, they they you know they go about driving here there whatever, and and that's sort of what what we're seeing in this phenomenon. But I don't know how this is going to be played out, and so uh, the best thing I can do is say that it's happening. And the problem here is that the ones who are moving into apartments, who I call hubrids, they don't know either. All they know is that they were bred for a task, and their task is to live here and not stand out, not attract attention to themselves, and to be here. And they know that sometime in the future something is going to happen where abductees will be used here on Earth to control humans. In other words, in mass and simultaneously. And I started hearing these accounts a long time ago about people who knew that, who were told that when the change, as they called it many years ago, that the when change. the change comes, this is not abductees' words, this is the words from the uh, gray aliens, when the change comes, human, these humans, these particularly humans' jobs would be to... Um, stand on the street, there would be panicked humans running down the street, and they're to stand there coolly and calmly and say, it's okay, it's all right, everything is fine, just keep moving this way, keep moving this way, everything is fine. 
and that will be their job. Uh, I, I have a drawing that I show once in a while in my presentations of a woman of a of a what looks like a middle stage hybrid who really looks quite alien but also human, pointing uh, with a pointer of some sort to a, a what what is actually a street map <laughs> on a screen, and they're going to it points to where she's going to be standing, and here's where the humans are going to be running towards. And at the end of where this area is, they're running. They're running towards a giant UFO that's waiting for them. Professor, um, maybe this is something I should not bring up. But after what you just said, I believe. Does it have to do with my mental capacity? No, no, it doesn't. I believe when the Nazis uh, herded the Jews into uh, gas chambers, they said, "Just keep moving this way." And I think actually they played classical music. To keep them calm as they move. Well, you know? yeah, and they also told them that it was just a, a delousing, you know, to yep. get rid of the lights on them, as if they had lights on them. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, it was, uh, the, the Nazis had mass killing down to a, a real art. Uh, um, and uh, something that is, it's, it's difficult to forgive, you know. <laughs> But I don't know if things will be played out that way. That, it is that, not something that is forgiven. My point was, the way you were describing the day when it comes sounded eerily, I don't know, kind of like that. Now, I'm not saying that's their, yeah. we don't know their motives. And, and, and let me ask you about that. Do we have any clue, any anything from any of the uh, hypnotic regressions you've done, uh, anything they've said that gives us some idea of of their end motive no we have none and 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 as i said before if this was being made up we'd have tons yeah we we just don't know uh, the abductees don't know the hybrids don't the hubrids who are moving in who i call hubrids uh to differentiate them from all the rest of the, the hybrids huh. uh they don't know either all they know is that their job is to be here and to you know to work here to become human to and and to not let on that they're anything different okay. uh but the the real rules the 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 plan is all done through these i think these insectolins these the the ones who really look alien who people say look like praying mantises and uh, i i think those are the ones behind they have the uh, the the whole program now, they might have others somewhere else in the universe that they are sure. kowtowing to, for all I know. And, and, and there's a whole backstory that goes on here that we'd have, we, we don't know about. In other words, the hybrids, when people see hybrids in different stages, uh, you know, like, uh, somewhat human, somewhat not human, somewhat alien, uh, and, and all that sort of stuff, they wear certain clothes on board. Uh, the women wear a beige-colored uh, uh, one-piece dress thing uh, with um, a three-quarter length uh, uh, sleeves, uh, no ornamentation of any sort. And, and the men will wear uh, the same kind of thing, only it's a shirt and pants. And somebody has to make those. Somebody's got to sew them together in some way or do whatever they do. Somebody's got to yes. fix them. Uh, that's very specific, very specific. And this, this all comes from testimony of abductees, right? Oh, yeah. I've heard hundreds of these uh, accounts of what, what, what the hybrids are wearing. They all wear basically the same thing. 
But All somebody's right. got to make them. There's got to be material that's delivered to them. There's got to be beings back there who are swinging them together or doing whatever they, they got to do to, to, to get these uniforms. Not only that, but if you've got human-like hybrids, you've got to have bathroom facilities. Uh, they're going to be urinating and, and, and all that. And yes. It has to be, and, and we don't we don't see anything like that. Well, uh, although one time we did see, I didn't talk about a shower once, but that that was a little bit of a different story. But uh, and and the the hybrids have to eat, uh, whereas the gray aliens absorb nutrients through their skin, and most hybrids absorb absorb nutrients through their skin. The ones who get more and more human have to eat through their mouths. So there's got to be food-like substance made for them. Hmm. And when they come down here, uh, they have to have already purloined, gotten uh, clothes to make them look n- normal and sure. average here, sure. usually taken from people's rooms, I must say. Uh, in one session I did, this, this guy recognized a shirt that had been missing from his closet, and there was this hybrid walking around with his shirt. Uh, now that's only the only time that ever happened. But all right, then, okay. oh, another one. Uh, uh, a, a woman when she was a kid, uh, she noticed that her half of her comic books were gone, and she blamed her brother for this, and, and never forgave her brother, even as an adult, for <laughs> stealing her comic books, and she never found them again. And then she was up on board, and she could see that somebody was looking at her comic books. <laughs> All right, uh, all right. Let me stop you there, and let me ask you, what role? This is very important. Abductees have in helping these hybrids we're talking about. Well, most abductees help them by just teaching them when they're young, when hybrids are young, and they're still being formed to move to move in later on. In other words, some might be too rambunctious, and they're called from the herd. They they might attract attention to themselves. Some might have other little flaws that that, but during this period of of youth, uh, abductees help them learn about what what humanity is like. All right, this uh, is where I'm lost. This is where I get lost as I think about this. In other words, um, the hybrids, uh, do they start off on Earth? And if they start off on Earth, then they should be able to learn, as we all do uh, in in our youth, uh, what the world's all about. Uh, but you're suggesting the hybrids are brought here at at a different stage of of growth, right? Right. And yeah, what yeah, what stage yeah. would you imagine that to be? Young adult, uh, late adolescence, young adult. Uh, oh, okay. moving in, And they're moving in in apartments in twos, threes, and fours. Okay, got it. Got it, got it, got it. All right, so this is the reason abductees need to help them. They need to teach them about how to live every day, how to go to the supermarket, how to... Do a million different um, things that you have to do right. in modern life, right? They, right. They've already been teaching them about what it's like to live on Earth when they were young on board, okay. when they were five and six and ten years old right. on board. Right. And they are sometimes brought to an abductee's house with a caretaker, an older hybrid, and taught uh, what a kitchen is like or what, a, what a, a computer is, what a television is, and things like that. But it doesn't matter. By the time they get here at age 17, 18, 19, they know nothing. There is so much to learn that children learn just through simple observation, seeing a million things a day that is absorbed into their minds that is not in abductees' minds, that they have to learn a tremendous 
amount, especially interpersonal relations, mm. but a tremendous amount about uh, how to live on Earth. They don't know anything about humor. Humor is not part of their lives. Because they're, they, they, everything is telepathic on board, although they can speak orally when they're here, uh, sarcasm, irony, things, inflections, uh, that's all lost on them because somebody can say something and the way that they say it, you know they're meaning exactly the opposite. With them, everything is taken literally until they learn what humor is or they, they have to pick up the subtleties of the language that they just that they can't do on board a ufo not only that but they don't know how old they are they don't know how to treat people who give them uh, uh, they don't know anything about presents uh, birthdays they don't know anything about families they don't know if they don't know if their mother or father or sister or brother or whatever they don't, they don't know how family interaction is they don't know what a cousin is I mean, it's just astounding what they don't know, even though they've been taught constantly, and they are... You know, I, I really, really hate to say this, Professor, but, you know, you are describing some people I know. No joke. You really are. Huh. People without a sense of humor, people who don't recognize uh, holidays, birthdays, uh, have trouble with these kinds of events... I'm so tempted to name this person, <laughs> but I won't. Um, well, it's you know, I, I have a, a photograph of a hybrid, of a hybrid, and I know that if I show this hybrid around, I may be wrong, and then I get sued for all I'm worth. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm not naming anybody. Don't worry. But uh, somebody came immediately to mind when you said that, and I wonder how many people out in the audience went. Oh, God, I know somebody like that. Well, at the same time, though, you have to take a step back and say there's a lot of humans who are really weird also. You know, uh, I would say maybe is a, is the a statistics, am I correct here, 99% of all humans are weird? Something like that. Oh, yeah, sure, easily. Um, Stella says the following, Our Dr. Jacobs, is this the way... The good humans are to be saved. We seem hell-bent on self-destruction anyway. Is is this really our descendants, in effect, coming back here uh, from sons in the future to prevent that destruction? I love that question. <laughs> I have a theory of coming back from the future, and it's probably wrong since I, I, what I know about science is less than what my cat knows about science. Mm. She's a whiz at it, and I'm not very good. So here's what I know about coming back from the future. <laughs> okay. If they're coming back from the future, that means automatically, and I guess maybe quantum physics or quantum mechanics might account for something like this, it means automatically that the future has already happened because they're coming back from the future. Therefore, it's already happened. That's right. Now, can you come back and kill your grandfather? The answer is no. Can you come back and, uh, well, you can, then, then everything changes. You know, there's a butterfly effect. But can you come back and affect the society just by people seeing you and all that? And the answer is yes. It does affect the society. It has affected our society. It's affected every society uh, in the world, practically. But it affects it in a specific way. And it has to, and it is required to. It affects it in such a way 
that it automatically leads to the ultimate uh, building of a flying saucer as the years or centuries go on that has the ability to come back in time and visit us. And when it comes back in time and visit us, it affects us in such a way, absolutely and positively, that it leads to the building of a flying saucer in the future, maybe 100 years, I don't know what, that ultimately flies back to us here in the present and changes the way in which we think about the world and this and that and ultimately leads to the building of a flying saucer which eventually has the ability to come. This is a loop. Yeah, I've got it. Um, That's the problem. That's the problem. That's why physicists don't ever talk about coming back from the future, because there's a paradox, and that's the paradox. Got it. Got it. All right, Professor, uh, if we're in the middle of the invasion you say we are, then an obvious question is, and one many are asking, what can we do about it? If we decided that we don't like what's going on and we wanted to fight this, how, how in the Lord's name do we do it? Yeah, and uh, once again, I, there's a hell of a lot I don't know uh, that 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 just swamps what I do know. Obviously, but here's something. Here's at least something. There's a guy named, named Michael Minkin, and uh, look him up on the internet if you want. And he makes hats that have uh, that look like baseball caps or World War II aviator hats, and you can wear these at night if you want. And Abductees swear that that in fact it stops abduction. It's got a, a special velostat lining in it that 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 prevents uh, them from from abducting people because they don't have the ability in some way to control people as much. Oh my uh, God! So you're it's tinfoil hat time here. You're actually sort of yeah. talking about that, right? Exactly right. Except that it's it's baseball cap type. Uh, thing, which is much better than the World War II aviator hat. Yeah, but same effect. It's a it's a it's a protective something. Well, I don't. Yeah, but this actually has a covering that covers the skull. It's not it's not yeah. a, a yeah. you know thing that sits on top of your head. But but the thing is, you know, uh, it might or might not. Uh, he he swears by it. Other people swear by it. And if it affects just a few people, and if it stops a few abductions. This this guy, this guy figured it out by himself. Well, it's like preventative. It's like preventative maintenance. But um, you know, how are we going to sell these hats? How are we? Gonna... <laughs> well, it's not that. It's what we need is is large groups of scientists and academics who can put their collective brains together and figure out a way to slow the stuff, the, the phenomenon down or to stop it altogether. That's what we need. If Mike Menken can, can do it, can, presumably. All right. All right. All right. But, but Professor, Professor, let's go back for a second and talk about the phenomena itself. In other words, do um, do we want to stop it? Should we be afraid of it, or could it be for our own ultimate uh, good, as as she might have suggested in that message I read? Well, you have to think about just the facts, and the facts are it's global. That's that means that there's an enormous amount of time and energy and years put into this, right? A tremendous amount. Number two, uh, they're doing it because. In some way, it betters them. They do not have the milk of human kindness running by the court in every vein. 
that's a line out of My Fair Lady. Uh, they, they don't have that. They're, uh, it they're, they're doing this for their own reasons. It, it, it betters them in some way. It benefits them. If it didn't benefit them, I just can't imagine that they would be going through this right. huge of program. Of course. And does it benefit us? That we don't know. Uh, do they particularly care one way or another about us? Well, they seem to be relatively either nice or neutral. Unless you do something bad, then they can become very unnice and unneutral, like talking to me, for example, and they can't get people to, to stop talking to me, and they will use violence uh, to, if, if, if all else fails. To well, get look... With what you've been saying, uh, if I had anything to do with this invasion and I had been hearing you speak on this program and or others, and I'm sure there, I'm sure there have been many others, I would, um, I'd have you silenced pretty quick, Professor. That will be my last book. <laughs> How they tried to find me and what they tried to, and, and I, I never met a hybrid. Uh, and uh, I'm not I'm not like Will Rogers. I never met a hybrid I didn't like, uh, mm. but uh, I never met a hybrid. Period. And um, I, uh, as far as I know, and I've never been abducted, and nobody's ever been in my, my bedroom. Uh, but I had uh, interesting conversations. And here comes, if you think I was crazy before, now comes the crazy stuff uh, through e email and instant messaging. However. Uh, even though it sounds crazy, when I write this thing, you'll see there's, there's a logical build-up to this, how this happened, and there, there's a logic to it. Go right ahead. Uh, and, um, uh, well, I'm not going to go into it right now, but, it's, uh, it, it, but it, it, it had to do with, well, it, it, it was an email situation that uh, they, 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 they've done this with other abductees. They want the abductee to write an email to me telling me that they don't ever want to see me again, that sort of stuff. Uh, and, or everything they've told me is wrong and, and, and things like that, and, and not knowing that I would be doing a session on this bizarre email, for example, that I got. Uh, um, but uh, uh, And so it started that way, and be, there was a build-up to it even beforehand, and, and uh, it, 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 it was the most frightening experience of my life, I must say that. It frightened my whole family. Uh, everybody was frightened because of this. All right, I, I want to really understand this. You were getting um, threat, th threatening emails? No, they weren't threatening. Uh, give me an example. All right, just do the best you can and give me an example. If it was that terrifying, you should be able to sort of lay it out in some way here. Well, um, there are different types of hybrids who come to protect the hubrids, the ones who are living here. Yes. And uh, there's a security hybrid who looks human in every conceivable way you could not tell him. Uh, uh, he doesn't have any difference uh, in, in terms of his physical shape and, and his face as any other person. But he's got a one-track mind only, only. doesn't think about anything except security. That's all he thinks about. He is not capable of thinking of anything but security. That is so he, he doesn't look like a linebacker for Green Bay? No, does not look like that. He looks just like an average Joe, but he is. his only thought is the security of the program. And if a 
an abductee is a security risk. That is to say, talking about this Mm -hmm. and telling people about it, like me, for instance, she has to be stopped or he has to be stopped. I was doing a session once with a guy, and on our 10th session, this is a guy with a Ph.D., uh, he sat bolt upright from the couch, and he looked at me and he said, I shouldn't be telling you this. And uh, I said, oh, oh, okay, you know, and he got up and he walked out, and that was, uh, uh, he came to one get-together I had later on, and that was the last I ever saw of him. He never had another session with me. They would gotten to him. <laughs> and I've had other people who, who've told me they shouldn't be telling me this. And I say, oh, it's okay, don't worry about it, and blah, blah, blah. And they keep telling it. Uh, and she, this one woman who is, uh, you know, who's in the book and is sort of the star of this book, uh, Walking Among Us, um, uh, they could not get her to stop talking to me. And, and she was coming down here, and then she couldn't come down here anymore. And there was a reason for it, which I'll go into, the, I'll go into later. But um, then uh, we started doing uh, sessions on the phone. Uh, uh, this was, I think, pr- just pre-Skype, or, 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 or neither of us had Skype yet. To, uh, and um, then they found out about that. And uh, that, that was bad, that was bad, that was bad. Then she was writing emails to me, and I, was, I would ask her some questions in email, and, and she would remember things. Then they learned about that. And the security hybrid then wrote me a letter pretending to be her. All right, Professor, um, hold it right there. We're going to break, and this really is a good place to take a very deep breath. He said the most terrifying thing that he's ever faced, and, and I think we're pretty close to that. So, Professor David Jacobs, and uh, we'll find out all about it when we return. Side of Midnight. From the Kingdom of Nye, this is Midnight in the Desert with Art Bell. Please call the show at 1-952-225-5278. That's 1-952-CALL-ART. Oh, you are on the wild side of Midnight, all right. Professor David Jacobs is my guest, and I, I want to straighten something out. Joy in Santa Cruz writes uh, on the computer through the wormhole, Art, he lost me at the tinfoil hats. Joy... He's not the one who said that. I was, Joy. I was trying to inject a little humor into all of this. Same with the Green Bay reference, Joy. Come on now. Listen to who says something. It was not the professor that said that. He mentioned hats, not tinfoil hats. I'm the one who said that. It was, uh, you know, sometimes when you're hearing something really, really rough, and that's just me. Maybe I'm trying to prove I'm not a hybrid, right? Attempting humor a little bit. Uh, Professor, there was um, an apparent abductee, not abductee, I'm wrong, a hybrid 
uh, found dead in a car. It was in the news recently. Do you know anything about that? No, no, didn't hear anything about it. How would, how would they know that? Um, there was actually something, you know, I'm not totally clear on it, but I kind of remember this. Um, I kind of remember this. Um, and somebody will help me out on, on I'm sure. But, uh, okay, here it is. Lee says, what about the alien-human hybrid they found dead in his car in California? That was on the regular news, and now it's like it never happened. So I also vaguely remember that, or maybe it's been removed from my memory, but there's something in my brain about it. Somebody will help me out here. And then there's one other thing that I'm really concerned about. And I, I think I might have mentioned this in the last show. I'm not really sure. But do you know uh, the rate at which we are currently producing autistic children, Professor? Uh, I, I, I do know that, that I don't know that automatically, but I do know, of course, that um, that the autism specter has been widened considerably, so it seems that there's more autistic children. There might be the same amount, but now it, it includes Asperger's and, and others. Oh, uh, there's more by a great margin. It's down to like 1 in 58 or something in males in the U.S. It's unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. I have no idea what's going on. It was, it was 1 in 300, then it was 1 in, you know, 250, then 200, and then 100, and the last I heard was 1 in 58 male children. That's pretty... Gosh, that's like an awful lot. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable, actually. Um, Professor, uh, let's go to where we left off, um, and that is the email you were telling us about, the most terrifying thing. I was hoping you'd forget. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> well, um he wrote me an email in the guise of her saying that, uh, you know, whatever I have, he started out by calling me David, and uh, whatever I've told you is wrong, uh, you're not to believe anything I say, something like that. And um, I said, well, uh, of course, I don't believe, I don't ever believe. I mean, it, 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 when that, she never called me David in her life. She's always called me Dave, first of all. But, but the thing was is that the, this was not her writing, and I, I literally, my hair stood on end. And um, I asked him, uh, I, I, I knew it was this guy writing, and there's a lead-up to that, how he did this, too. There, there, there's, there's stories relating to this. He just didn't know how to do it. She, I won't go into it, but she had to teach him how to do this. But, um, uh, uh, and I said, but why, why are you saying that? And then I tried to engage this person in conversation. I gave, engaged him a little bit, and finally he said something to the point of, if you don't stop talking with her, uh, he intimated that uh, bad things were going to happen to her, that violence would happen to her. And I and I, I just said, well, I don't want to see her hurt. In other words, he dropped his pretense of being her. Wow. And started to talk about her, and uh, and and so uh, so we did it in a in a way that was uh, uh, we, we went to instant messaging. Oh. So he could remove everything immediately. Uh, all the conversation could be removed immediately, even if somebody came into her bedroom while in the middle of it. She could just press. So, uh, she could she could eliminate, and, and then and they didn't know anything about this instant messaging. And then later on, they learned about that too. And, I, and then it went on and on. And eventually, they they wanted her to to, to 
they wanted her to tell them how to get to me. And uh, this was very frightening. And I, I, my family and I finally went on vacation in Cape Cod, and I felt safe there. And uh, they were still trying to find me. And it just went on and on and on. And in the end, it turned out okay, but in the end, I wound up having uh, – in the book, there's this character named Jamie – uh, who's a Hubert who's uh, uh, with this woman named Betsy. And Jamie was always uh, reasonable. And I, I wound up having uh, a series of conversations with Jamie, who was not a security hybrid and who had a much broader range of uh, of interests and so forth. And I had eight conversations. Each one was somewhat astonishing, some lasting for as long as four hours long, starting at 1 o'clock in the morning. Yes. And uh, which shows you a little something about their uh, sleep cycle. Incidentally, uh, uh, Hebrews don't sleep as we do. They they have a a much 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 shorter sleep cycle, maybe only a couple of hours. Really. And so. Um, Any other uh, now? See earlier when I asked you for differences, um, you didn't come up with much. But now you're telling me they have a shorter sleep cycle by a lot. I think apparently. so. I think so. Uh, one person's uh, Hubert, who he he uh, was with, uh, they, they slept in a tent, and uh, the guy uh, would go into this sort of very light sleep for a few hours or something. Then he explained that he didn't, he really didn't need sleep like like we do, and that and to spend all night talking to me means without ever saying, you know, I'm getting a little tired now. I think I better get up. Nothing like that ever, ever escaped from this guy's lips. Uh, he just uh, he had all the other energy in the world. All right. Uh, uh, I, Professor, hold on just a second. Uh, we have got to take calls. Uh, we could and might go the rest of the program without it, but I'm not going to let that happen. So let me quickly give out the numbers, and uh, you're welcome to begin to join the conversation because I know you want to. <laughs> so we are um, – here's our public number. It's area code 952 two two five five two seven eight. Once again, dial a one and then nine five two 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 five five two seven eight. You can reach us on Skype, of course. Um, in North America it's MITD five one. Add us as a contact, MITD five one, and then we'll be in your contact list. Um, outside the United States, it's MITD five five. It's MITD five five outside the US. All right, that all said, uh, Professor, uh, you're back on. I just wanted to let them know they could begin calling. Uh, well, well, if they do call, um, it's, it's very difficult for me to, to tell them what has happened to them. If they, if they saw something or if they had some experience, uh, ethically, I can't really say what happened to them. So, so uh, it, it's, it's, it's not something that I can do. I, I don't I, okay, do. all right, we'll, we'll keep that in mind. They're hearing you now. Uh, any other qualifications if they call? No, that's it. Okay. Um, Professor, you do realize, right, that you've got your professional neck out a mile and a half here, right? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm elderly now, as <laughs> they say, and yes. I'm retired, and my professional neck has been cut off a long time ago. Uh, I, I, I'm in for the long haul now, and... <laughs> Besides that, I'm, I'm an academic. I go where the evidence leads me. Even though I kick and scream while en route, I, 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 and I hate it, I don't like what people are telling me, 
I used to tell people not to tell me anything wrong, and I would give them a di- anything bad. I would give them a direct, in him that was a direct, no, this, although it doesn't mean anything, direct command. I don't want you to say anything bad. Well, look, I'm, I am uh, personally beholding to you for coming out this way. I, I seriously mean that. Uh, I think it's a very brave thing for you to do, very brave, and... I don't know. Oh, uh, listen, the point was that, that when people tell me their story, they, they couldn't care less what I said. They just start telling me what's happening to them, whether I said, don't tell me anything that I don't want to hear or anything like that. And I did that as a, as a, uh, uh, just as a, a, a test to see whether or not they would respond to something like that. And nobody responded to that. They just want, and they, they were getting to the bottom of what happened to them. They didn't care about me, you know. So, um, People are that way. Um, all right, we got to do this, so let's do it. Uh, somebody with the cute name of Starry Messenger, you're on the air. Roswell's art, Mr. Jacobs, and all the hubrids out there. That's uh, Doctor or Professor Jacobs. Oh, uh, sorry about that. Well, hey, uh, my question is: you hear about these abduction stories or encounters that are somewhat sexual in nature? How is this happening exactly? And could this also be suggesting a telepathic link? Uh, virgin birth of sorts scenario, um, and might this be a reason why we never see aliens with recognizable genitalia? Good point. Really good point, actually. Uh, aliens don't have genitalia, but when you're saying aliens, I assume you're meaning gray aliens. Uh, when you get to late-stage hybrids and when you get to uh, uh, basically human-stage hybrids and, and, and hybrids, they have regular genitalia. Yes, 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 care. Professor. But as he mentioned, uh, when we get descriptions of aliens, you know, typical grays, whatever, they don't have recognizable sexual features. Uh, they do not. And I, I point this out in the book, actually. And uh, I, I think I do. No reproductive organs, yeah. Um, uh, and you're talking about gray aliens now. And then the question is how are gray aliens manufactured? See, I think that gray aliens are, in fact, uh, hybrids themselves. I think that they were made out of uh, uh, alien, the true alien DNA, probably from the in- insectolins, uh, insect aliens, uh, to, um, and they, they were bred to be a workforce, as is everybody on board uh, the UFO. They're all part of a workforce. And um, the gray aliens, always, the one thing that bothered me about gray aliens and I'll get to the sexual stuff in a second. The one thing that bothered me about gray aliens was their mouths. Mm-hmm. I couldn't understand why they had a mouth. It's actually a slit for a mouth. They don't breathe. They don't eat through their mouths. They don't talk. It's all telepathic. They don't have any teeth. They don't have any tongue. They don't have an Adam's apple. What the devil do they need a mouth for? Yeah. And I can see ears. I can see holes for ears because if something falls over in a UFO, their attention has to be directed towards it. They hear a thump or something like that. You know what I mean? Yes. It, it seems to me that that, that that would make sense. But the ears and even the nose a little bit, just it, it, it bothered me. And then I realized that um, they're probably hybrids. Uh, they were bred not to uh, reproduce themselves mm. uh, but to uh, be either... Uh, continually hybridized as, as, as they become useless as time goes on or else just uh, cloned. And since I've written the book, I'm leaning more and more towards the cloned uh, concept because they all look alike. 
Okay. Caller, are you still there? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you were referring to the uh, the distinct lack of sexual identification uh, by physical attribute of, of the, the greys, right? Uh, yeah, you, you know, I always hear the stories and stuff, but, you know, we never hear about that feature of it. And I'm just wondering how is this happening and how are the people or how is the women getting pregnant and stuff like that? Oh, well, these are humans, uh, or at least they begin that way. Uh, and these creatures are manipulating us, our DNA, and producing these hybrids. Um, if, if I'm taking understanding, sperm and eggs. pardon me. Yeah, taking sperm and eggs, putting them together. Yep. They then take the the, the gamete or, or the uh, the zygote and they instill it into the woman's uterus. She gestates it for about nine to eleven weeks. It's then removed and then placed in gestation tanks with liquid nutrients. Uh, in in rooms that I, I call incubatoriums, and I, I I was all proud of myself when I wrote that in uh, I think in Secret Life, hmm. and um, that I invented this word incubatorium, and then I read some sort of maybe it was the OED a dictionary, and sure enough, there was a word called in, uh, incubatorium, <laughs> so I, I got there uh, lastest with the leastest, but. Um, uh, uh, people are, are, are shown these things and, and said that they're, that these, some of these, uh, their babies floating in there, that some of them were theirs and all that. And, uh, we don't know why they were shown that, maybe to make them start feeling attached to them for some reason or another. Uh, and, and then eventually they're removed when it's time. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's it. Now there's something else. And the problem is getting the eggs. They will. Uh, what I discovered once was that this, that these beings would stare deeply into uh, a female uh, abductee's eyes. Abduct the female may be laying on a table, let's just say, and this gray alien, usually a tall one as opposed to a small one, would come and stare directly into her eyes at a distance of, well, touching foreheads or a couple of inches. And I would say to them, well, can you move your eyes back and forth, you know, to avert their gaze? No. Uh, can you cl can you blink? Can you close your eyelids? No. Okay, well, again, um, uh, identifying this as an attempt at weak humor, that is what we human males do with female uh, humans when we want to try to have um, a closer relationship well, with them. We stare at them and promise yeah. the moon and the stars and stuff like that, right? This is different. This is gotcha. into the optic nerve, which is the only nerve that can be seen from the outside of the body, and using it as a conduit to travel to any other neurological sites in the brain. Because the key question to ask them at that point is, what's going on in your mind while they're doing this? And they'll say, well, he's looking at the last two weeks or what I was doing the last couple of weeks. He's looking at this. He's looking at that. And people sometimes would feel different uh uh, things happening in their body, something going up and down their shoulders, their their arm would go up and down, or whatever, and you see that he's hitting different neurological sites. But the other thing that that shocked me, I must say, was one time I I said to this uh, woman who was uh, who she was describing an event happened when she was 16 years old. I said, um, "Well, what's going on in your mind? You know, what, what's happening?" And she yes. said to me. Well, you know, I, I really like him. 
I really, really like him. He's he's really a, I really like him. I, I hope he I, I hope he likes me. You know, and she, this is a sixteen year old sort of fawning over this bug eyed monster alien staring into her eyes. And I realized at that point, as other women were beginning to say the same thing, only in different ways, that they were stimulating sexual response. And at the height of that stimulation of sexual response, they go down and take an egg. I originally thought, uh-huh. and I wrote in Secret Life, that this that they were interested in human sexual response. That's what they were they were testing us. They were experimenting. They were interesting interested in human sexual response. And the answer to that is. They have no interest in human sexual response whatsoever, hmm. other than in some way it facilitates their taking of eggs. And I don't know how that is done. I don't know how that facilitates it, but that's what they do. I learned how to ask that question. Well, I know it certainly facilitates the um, uh, the impregnation process <laughs> in in the human world, so I'm not really surprised at the way you're seemingly describing it, it it is connected i mean come on that kind of behavior sexual stimulation is used in the whole process of of reproduction so why wouldn't it be part of it it makes absolute sense to me well but eggs are released from the ovaries regardless of intercourse yes 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 i know so but that's why all i can do is say it facilitates them now uh, I was once told they read an article about cows and and uh, in in sexual being intercourse. I hate to even say that with a couple of cows, uh, it does in fact stimulate an egg release uh, with cows. But but uh, we're not cows, so they. But it's I have so many cases of that, literally hundreds that uh, you know that they're doing it for a reason. They don't care one bit about sexuality. It makes sense to me. And even your reference to, to cows makes sense to me in view of the history of what they have done that we know about. Um, all right, every line is full. Everything is ringing. We have so many people who want to talk to Professor Jacobs, and we'll try and get you all. Really, I'm going to lay heavily into the phones. So stay right where you are. Invasion is what we're talking about. Night in the Desert is pounding packets your way on the Dark Matter Digital Network. To call the show, please direct your finger digits to dial 1-952-225-5278. That's 1-952-CALL-ART. And I'd like to add, we have a first-time caller line. If you have never called the program, you can call area code 775-285-5800. 775-285-5800. Once again, Professor David Jacobs. Uh, welcome back, Professor. Good, good to have you. A lot of people want to talk to you, so I want to try and fit some calls in if we can uh, 
if we can do that. So let's do it. Um, on the uh, phone line, uh, it's midnight in Butte, and you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Uh, this is Lucy in Montana. Yes, ma'am. I had a question about, well, there's some researchers like John Keel and Jack Vallee who don't think that the UFO phenomenon is necessarily extraterrestrial. Right. And their, their research has kind of led them to think that it's been around all throughout history, but it appears in different guises, and it's deceptive and reflective. And so it changes to reflect back the material to support the beliefs of investigators. And so my question for the doctor is, have you ever entertained the idea that maybe you're being used as a kind of tool by the phenomenon to push the extraterrestrial hybrid idea? Good question, actually. To cover up what it's actually doing? Okay. Professor? Yeah, um, well, if that's the case, I wouldn't know it, I guess. And um, But the problem here is that, is that uh, what you have is, is a phenomenon where everybody around the world says the same thing, and they say it to different uh, uh, researchers as well. It's not, not obviously to me, but um, uh, if, if this were idiosyncratic, if this was just coming out of uh, their minds, everybody, everything would be different. And, but because it's all the same, you know that they're all having the same experiences, and, and some of them just are remembered outright and are not working with anybody at all, and it's still the same. Uh, so uh, my, my, the way I look at the world, I'm, I, I'm not like uh, other people in that. I, I just look at it sort of as a, as, as a world where 2 plus 2 equals 4, and, and nobody is, uh, uh, you know, Living in the in, in another world, except of course our friends the aliens, but um, but I, I test tend to look at it logically. I, I, I can't help but just looking for the logic in whatever they're doing or not doing, and uh, I don't see uh, uh, them trying to fool me or trick me or or or, or, or make me think different things is is within their ma- within the way they think or, or act or do things. So you're correlating what you're saying with what is being learned around the world. Yeah, right, exactly. All right, caller, does that does that answer it for you? Well, you know, one of the just something about the logic part of it. I was thinking that it's a really unclandestine move to abduct somebody on their way to meet with you, of all people. But also, like, with the pregnancy thing, with what we can do with cloning now, it seems like they would have figured out a more efficient way to get DNA from people than needing the egg thing and then to have them incubate it and then have to abduct them again. It's almost like they're doing it to draw attention to it because they should, with such advanced technology, think that they would be able to hide it better or to cover up people's memories better because our government showed decades ago that they could... Um, cover up memories and make them not able to show up in hypnosis. And so if they figured that out, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure that um, this civilization would have figured it out too. Okay. Right. Well, actually, the, the salient thing you're saying there, which has always puzzled us from the very beginning, was why do they have to come back to women and to men and keep getting, well, especially women, to keep getting uh, eggs. eggs all the time? Because what you've got is, uh, you know, uh, a couple hundred thousand follicles. 
uh, of which only maybe 500 may may actually become eggs. Uh, but they could take those follicles and just, uh, uh, you know, incubate them in some way and make them into full-fledged eggs of, uh, and, and only have to do that to a woman once. Why wouldn't they? And the answer is we don't know the, the answer to that, but there must be some logical reason. The situation is that they don't tell us anything ever about what they're doing in terms of uh, technology uh, uh, or, or experimentation or testing or anything like that. We have no knowledge of this. After all these years, after year after year after year of doing these for decades and decades, we still do not know what goes on uh, during all the table procedures. Quite frankly, I don't care because I think I know enough, but I think it's mainly a neurological uh, examination, and I, and I, I do notice the n- neural engagement with the optic nerve. And one time they ran a, uh, uh, a flat object under a person's foot, and the foot flexed, and I recognized that as a, 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 a reflexive test, you know. And, and um, uh, But most of the other things they do, we have no idea what they do. And when it comes to technology, using technology, it's just zero. We have zero knowledge of the technology they use, the lights they use, the this they use, the that they use on people. Uh, and once again, if this were psychological, we'd know people would just tell us what they are. But Okay, exactly. Professor, I've got a question. We have mapped the human genome, right? Yep. It doesn't mean we know everything, but we've mapped it. Uh, have we done enough to recognize... Engineered change. There has to be an engineered change in, in every abductee for them to be able to receive, uh, to for able to talk uh, tele- telepathically. Being uh, a telepath, being able to speak or hear telepathically, is not part of the human condition. No, it isn't. And uh, if it was, we'd live in a different world. And if only, as, as I try to tell people, if only 1% of humans in America or in any country were telepathic, were truly telepathic, we'd live in a different world. Well, if it's going to go the way you're suggesting it's going, it's going to be a pretty different world pretty soon anyway. Uh, Skype, you're on the air with Professor Jacobs. Hello. Hello, is it me? Yes, yeah, you. Okay. <laughs> um, can you hear me all right? I hear you fine, sir. Okay, I've got uh, two things, first for you and then for Professor Jacobs. Uh, on the mega structures. Yes. Uh, everybody assumes that it's something between us and the star. But what if it's like a giant sunspot or something that's on the, the sun itself? Well, then they, they wouldn't be seeing the irregular um, uh, dips in luminosity that they're observing. That's a whole, that, you know... We're often a different. We we need to talk about the story you're talking about, right? But not right now. Um, okay, I so, thought that you said earlier. You no, well, it's a big deal, sir. It's <laughs> okay. breaking news, um, and so is the collider news. Uh, but we've got Professor Jacobs on right now, and I wouldn't put an invasion exactly down as you know minor news. It's big. So what have you got? Right. <laughs> okay, for Professor Jacobs, um, King Tut. I saw a picture where he had a stillborn child, and, I mean, to me it looked like the spitting image of a gray. And supposedly his father, I think it was Tut Moses or something, uh, was a very strange-looking guy. I mean, he had a elongated head, 
And then we've got the elongated skulls from Peru and yeah. South America. So you think they could have been working on this hybrid thing for a really long time? Okay. No, the the evidence just doesn't go back that far. You know, uh, the thing is, is that if you keep creating hybrids, uh, and, and you're doubling your efforts every time uh, somebody gets married, and there's, you know, eventually everybody's going to be a hybrid, it seems to me. I'm, I'm sure, I don't mean hybrid, I mean abductees. Uh, eventually everybody will be an abductee if you keep uh, doubling abductees uh, just through marrying non-abductees. And it, it would probably take a couple of centuries. I had a guy work it out once, and uh, a mathematician, and he said it would take seven generations, but let's just say it takes uh, 20 generations or, or whatever. Um, that means if it started in the year 5000 B.C., you know, by the year uh, 4000 B.C., everybody would have been an abductee. And if it started, you know, in the 14th century, by the 17th century or 16th century, everybody in the world would be abductee. So it, it, it's, it's, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't go back that far. Because we know that there's only a, a what is your what professor is your best guess of how many abductees there are? No, how far back it began? It, well, uh, Bud Hopkins did a session with an older guy uh, uh, who was a kid in the 1920s and did an abduction event in the 1920s, plus a whole bunch of other ones when he was older. I did uh, with two different women. I did uh, sessions when they were young in the 1930s. Okay. Uh, so, so somewhere there, 20s, 30s, in that area? When I was doing research for my dissertation uh, in Jim and Cora Lorenzen's uh, APRO headquarters in Tucson, I read a letter about a kid who uh, was visiting his grandparents' house, his parents had brought him there, in 1917. And he was fooling around in the back area. There was a wooded area, and he came across a large uh, um, silver object that was round that was on the ground. And, uh, and then he noticed that there were three little people who were looking at him. And he turned around and he ran and he ran home and they ran after him, he said, and they didn't catch him and he ran home. Well, that's abductee speak. That's an abductee story. Uh, they, they were there for a reason. He was there for a reason. Something happened and then he forgot what happened and then he ran home. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I get it. So you're, you're still guessing around the 20s or the 30s, early 1900s. And well, this letter took this event took place in 1917, and the guy who wrote just said he just thought that they'd like to know. This was in the uh, okay. early 1900s, early 1900s. And then I I, I met people uh, who had a family history. Uh, three generations of abductees were standing in front of me, sort of boiled down to, at a at a, at a conference I was at, and they talked about their great-grandfather who had this unusual experience with a family story. He, in some way, found himself in a dark area, a cave, they thought, and so he ran out, and then he, quote, fainted in a field, and when he woke up, there was a giant rabbit staring into his eyes. <laughs> and this is a family story. And then there was the 1896-1897 mystery airship wave, which is sort of more correlated to that, too. So that's why I say with not much certainty but a little bit, uh, we could say it might go back to the late 19th century, last quarter of the 19th century, 
and with more certainty to the teens and with a lot more certainty to, to the 20s and 30s and obviously to the 40s when they, everybody was starting to see UFOs all over the place. But um, And you have to remember that, when, that the UFOs are basically, they're workshops. They're carrying aliens who are doing their work. Uh, it's, it's, we used to think that they're visiting, that they're... All right, all right. Here's another question for you then. If, if it began in the early 10s or 20s or 30s, whatever, somewhere back there, um, how far through their agenda do you think they are now? Yeah, I, once again, I, I don't know that because I don't know how many people they started out with. Uh, my guess is that it was random. Or how many they need. Or how many they needed, but it is global. You have, that, that you have to keep that in your mind at all times. I, I, I will. Uh, Professor, I also keep in mind we've got people wanting to talk to you globally. Uh, here's Johnny. Uh, Johnny, where are you? Uh, good evening, gentlemen. I'm in London. Good evening, all. London, hi. Jacobs. Hi, how are you doing? Good. Um, I, I did read your book, uh, and I recall back in 2000, uh, the threat. But, Professor Jacobs, do you recall in your book, The Threat, that you were talking, uh, taking a patient back in an hypnotic regression, and they stated that they were on the table on a UFO with a few grey-like beings around her, but also a tall, Ming-like human being that wore a skull cap and had beard, um, as in like Flash Gordon-looking sort of Ming. Now, I understand, though, that your regression, that this Ming being made it known to you that he was aware that you were regressing the patient's memory and that you were, in fact, being monitored and he was aware of you during her abduction. Do, do you recall this incident? And can you elaborate on the, on the details of what this being told you? I don't recall patient? that. I'll have to go back and read I haven't read that book in 15 years. <laughs> I'll have to go back and, and look at that. But, um, however, I, I, if that happened, that person would have been a, a hybrid. And, uh, and he might have known that, that the person who he was dealing with was working with me. And that would not be good. That would be bad. And I was, and, and probably telling her to tell me to stop it or something like that or trying to get her to stop it. Uh, and that goes on quite a bit, actually. They all know, uh, that, uh, they, they figure out that they're, that they're, that the abductees who are working with researchers are security risks. <laughs> they're, they're the ones who are saying things that they shouldn't be saying. Right. They, they are breaking the bounds of secrecy. And so they get them to stop. Now, looking like Ming, you have to be very careful with abductee testimony on how aliens look. They can fabulate there very easily. I once had a case where Abraham Lincoln showed up at a person's bedside, and he was Abraham Lincoln, and he had a beard, and he had his stovepipe hat on, and he was wearing a frock coat and all the rest of that stuff. And that's confabulation because as we went through the uh, through the events that happened to her, he realized that she realized him herself that that was not Lincoln, that was just this gray alien. Uh, so so you have to be a little bit careful with that. And I'll have to go back and <laughs> look and see exactly what I said in the book. Um, but but knowing about people who are spilling the beans. Right. Who are security breaches is something that they are always aware of, and uh, because they look into this person's mind and they can see she's been talking to me or talking to another researcher. So far, it has meant very little, 
But when hubrids started coming down and moving in, security went sky high. I never saw anything like it. I never, nobody had ever said anything like what security was like once the hubrids were introduced into apartments and abductees were taking them to stores and this and that. And uh, so it was a much lighter sequence of events uh, uh, years ago than it is now. All right, Professor, here we go again. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello, first time caller. Hello. Yes, sir. Hello, this is Gary. Hi, Gary. Hi, I'm in Oakland, California. Yes, sir. And I have a question for Dr. Jacobs. Um, Have you ever pondered the concept that maybe there is no grand design or grand scheme behind why the abductions themselves are happening, that maybe what really is going on is we are a stop along the line in a school curriculum where they show up, they do this thing to people, and they're graded. You know, it's just like people being, you know, going through a biology class and they have to dissect a frog or something like that. <laughs> well, I guess that that, that 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 there's a possibility of that, except that they, they the phenomenon just keeps expanding and expanding and expanding in very logical ways. Uh, you get the sense that they've done this before. That that we are. I asked the question in the book. You mean like on other planets? Yeah. Are we the very first planet ever to be uh, taken over? Let's just say uh, oh. through hybridization. And I give reasons why that is not possible. That we are the first. Not just not possible. So there's more to it in the background that, that we don't know. But but you know, uh, trying to put put concepts in, in their minds that I haven't heard, it, it, it may be true. But, but well, I mean, if you really stop and think about it, uh, Professor, if you wanted to create an empire uh, in system and planet after planet after planet, this is exactly how you would do it. I, I actually address that a little bit in, in the book as well, that um, that Planetary acquisition might, in some way, increase their uh, value. Their their it, it, it benefits them in a in a geopolitical way. Of let's course, uh, in in the same way that every dictator has tried to take over the world, um, it's exactly the same psychology. And it also goes down the road of well, they might not be the nice guys everybody hopes they are. Skype, Don, you're on the air. How's it going? Can you hear me? Okay. Fine. Yes. Uh, my question for uh, Mr. Jacobs, uh, two questions actually. Professor um, Jacobs. Uh, Professor Jacobs, my apologies. Uh, the, these hubrids, I, I was curious to know how human are they? Do they, uh, do they have any type of emotions? I mean, uh, is it possible their human side could overtake their, uh, their other side and they could decide they want to be human more than whatever it is they are? Hmm. And the second question is... Uh, about DNA, I think you touched on it a little bit earlier about the genome. I was just wondering if there is any evidence or you know anomalies with these hybrids if they've done a lot of DNA testing, and uh, your thoughts on that. Yeah, we've done no DNA testing for, with hybrids. That's the one thing. That's the holy grail. That's what we want. We want DNA. Uh, uh, I, I got to have DNA. Please send me some DNA. Uh, <laughs> um, the thing is, though, uh, let's see. The first part of your question was, was what again? The uh, 
the Huberts, how human are they? Do you think it's possible they could uh, want to be like us more than what they are? I also talk about that in in this this book, Walking Among Us, that I have. Uh, That's the hope that we have. But they might come out to be wonderful, happy True, true Americans, you know, just just perfect in every way. There's one problem, though, and the problem is that they can control us, and we can't control them. And and as I keep saying, it makes us a, a second-class species. It's not like we're chimpanzees, but um, but but they're the first-class species, and we are below them. And therefore, they would get whatever they wanted from us, and we would not be able to do that to them. And that makes me, let's just say, uneasy. <laughs> I don't like that. I want to be a first-class species and have them as a second-class species. The whole, and, whole thing makes me uneasy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to get to these people. Um, hello there. You're on the air with uh, Professor Jacobs. Hello. Uh, Hi. Me? Yes, you. Okay. First of all, I have some information with, for you regarding the case you talked about a little while ago. The guy's name was Jeffrey Allen. Oh, no, but, 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 but don't give me the name, please, um, even oh. though I know you can. What I think what he's referring to, Professor, is the, the um, hybrid found in the car. Is that correct, caller? Yeah, yes. Okay, go ahead. Other than giving me the name, tell me the rest of it. Okay. Well, he was found with like 1,200-plus guns over a ton of ammunition. The person that reported the case left town and had her attorney contact the police. And for about a week and a half, there were several stories, and all of a sudden there was nothing in any of the media in Southern California about it. Right, right, right. Okay, where does the hybrid part come in? He claimed to be an undercover alien hybrid secret agent working with the CIA. <laughs> and and this was in a, what a note left behind? Yes, yes. It was partly contained in a note and partly from what he allegedly told his wow. girlfriend Catherine before he apparently committed suicide. Wow! I knew there was something like that. I knew there was something in the news. I just couldn't remember exact the well, exact right, details. He, right. He claimed to be a human alien hybrid secret agent working for the U.S. CIA. Gotcha. Roger, thank uh, you so much for that, Professor. Well, this sounds like a mentally ill person to tell you the truth. Maybe, maybe. maybe. I would never use that word. Uh, they don't even know that word, and uh, you know, they're, maybe they're learning it now. But the discussion of hybrids is, is not 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 a normal discussion in American households. No. Uh, but they wouldn't know that word, um, and they would never say that. And they wouldn't have 1,200 guns. <laughs> well, now wait a minute. Uh, you were talking. Got a UFO. You were talking earlier about mind influence. We at that point discussed um, the fact that they could control minds to the point that they could perhaps have somebody commit suicide. Right. I well, don't know if they could go that far. Well, jump off a cliff. Anything is possible. I don't know if they could go that far, but but uh, and I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to have that. Uh, you know, I don't want to see that happen. Well, but nobody um, does. But they they can, in fact, uh, control people very, very well, very well, indeed. Okay. All right. First time caller line, real quick. You're on the air. Going once. Hello? Yes. Hello. 
Yes. Hey, um, I I was wondering if by any chance this could lead us to the mark of the beast. Hmm. Okay, so the religious angle of it, uh, Professor, the mark of the beast, three sixes, all that stuff. Right. Well, you know, this happens to people who are religious, people who are not religious, people who are ministers, people who aren't ministers, people uh, around the world who have no idea what the mark of the beast is or... or uh, and not only that, but these the aliens themselves do not know religion. They don't understand it. They, they don't get it. Nor do they know music. Uh, they, don't, they don't get music either. They don't understand it. Uh, or all sorts of things that you would think would just they, they would know automatically, but in fact they have to sort of learn what it is. Uh, and uh, so I don't think it has any biblical implications. I think it's it's... It's it's an entirely alien phenomenon. Well, maybe, but you know, if they don't know music, I feel sorry for them. Uh, that that is right. it's losing a lot. Mike on Skype, very quickly. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hey, all right. Hello, sir. Um, I've got a great insight here. Okay, you're not uh, connecting well, so stay close to the mic. Okay. My. Um, your mind forgets when you sleep. Same I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, I'm not going to be able to hold the call. I appreciate the effort, but you're just not making it. Uh, let's go to the phones real quick. And uh, hello, you're on the air with uh, Dr. Jacobs. Hello. 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 Yes, go ahead. Hi, from Iowa. Okay, Iowa. Hello, from Iowa. This is John. Yes, John. I have a question for Dr. Jacobs. Fire away. Okay. Um. Uh. They had an incident in Russia where there were a bunch of elites throwing a party, and it looks like uh, the power went out suddenly, and when it did, a bunch of these people's eyes lit up, just like their retinas lit up, and it, it, it so startled the guests that many of the guests took off as a result. Uh, and there was a band member who spoke about this later, and it's on a oh, YouTube video. Yeah. I heard something about this. And it, yeah, just quick question, and then and then the other thing, I don't think that the the theory of these entities interfere at all with blowing up the religious idea for the Christian Bible because most of that stuff is mentioned that you know if you take the creator aspect that something created those entities as well, and apparently they do have a an evil uh, uh, you know, abduction or sexual, uh, some of the experimentations they do with children, including implants, would make their actions very, very evil and suspicious. And I don't think it's in conflict with the Bible at all. Professor? Well, um, uh, I, I, once again, I, I, I keep out of all the religious uh, arguments. It, it, it's, uh, and I, I get, you know, material about the Bible almost on a daily basis from people. And uh, and there are there are some you know parallels and, and this and that but but uh, I I just sort of stay basically to what people tell me uh, about what's happening to them and my job is to uh, is, is to say what I what I pretty much think I know and knowing full well that I uh, I could certainly be wrong about a lot of things. But well, I what you think you know is already bad enough, Professor. Hold on, I mean for us. So, personally, I hope you're wrong, but I have this nagging, weird little feeling that you might not be. Midnight in the Desert, I'm Art Bell. Stay right there.
Professor David Jacobs is my guest. Uh, good evening. It's good to have you all with us. And I want to remind you the um, first-time caller line is area code 775-285-5800. The um, public line is area code 952-225-5278. And I want to remind the professor, would well, not remind you, but inform you, that a few days after I did the interview with you, maybe the next day, God, it was close, uh, Doctor, I interviewed Nick Redfern, and I'm telling you, he laid out point after point after point to the point I've, I've said, are you working with Dr. Jacobs? Um, are you aware of Redfern's work? Uh, I'm, I'm not that much aware of it. In fact, I just ordered his books from Amazon. Uh, I know he's he does things with men in black, and um, I've, right. I've never encountered that. Um, uh, hybrids or humans would not wear black all the time. They would stand out. They would not be able to blend in. It would be bizarre. Um, so I, uh, but I'd like to see what he what he comes up with. We'll be talking together at a conference. Uh, uh, I, I think the international UFO conference. Uh, in, in Laughlin this okay. year coming. Well, trust me, you need to talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, does he does he do hypnosis with abductees? Or? Um, not that I'm aware of, but uh, he's got a lot of information that coincides awfully uh, closely with what you're you're telling me. So I, I just talk to Nick and let me know how it works out. Um, okay. Okay, Dale on Skype, you're on the air with the professor. Hi. Hi, R. Bell's. Awesome to talk to you. Uh, great show tonight, and made especially better since we had to wait a day for it. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. Yes, uh, well, okay. I, 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 I almost blamed some of it on the show, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a couple of things. First, uh, um, I think we have a, a planetary defense lead here on the DNA because that will be it will be different. Uh, base human DNA, and we should be able, if we could keep a project secret, uh, to find out how it's different and perhaps Jinden, uh, engineer a, um, um, a bug that would eat those, uh, you know, War of the Worlds kind of thing. Yeah. Um, well, we thing- need, one thing you mentioned that's dead right on, and I'm sure the professor agrees, we need DNA proof. Now, I don't know if that's going to be obtainable. I don't know that we are refined enough in the way that we look at DNA that we could even recognize such a change. Uh, Professor? Well, it it would be good to give it to a a DNA specialist uh, and see if he can find anything that looks odd or different or anything at all. There's got to be some sort of difference. And once again, in neurology, that's where the main thing would be. I agree. And uh, but um, uh, I, I, if, if I, I, you know, the problem here is that there's not enough people who are working on this subject to be able to 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 do this. In other words, if we had a hundred people who did uh, abduction research, who were scientists and who knew what to do and who could uh, go to a person's house um, after a session after a session and find out, you know. If the if the if the hybrid uh, uh, ate anything and wiped his mouth mouth on a napkin, good point. Is yeah. the napkin still there? Is there DNA there? You know that, that that's the way we we would find it. 
it seems to me. And uh, I, I never even asked those things, of course, uh, and it just – you live and learn. You know, you go along and you, it occurs, things occur to you later on, and and um, and that's because there there aren't people, there aren't a whole lot of people who do this kind of research, and and everybody who does this kind of research, absolutely everybody is an amateur, including me, and consequently, uh, we need guidelines, and we need uh, uh, people who who can do DNA analysis and would not charge us a million dollars to do it, yep. you know, uh, do it gratis, well, hopefully. For the human race. <laughs> For the human race, right. I mean, it, it's it, there's, there's so many different things. I mean, it, the whole thing is so nutty in the fact that uh, I'm a professor, a retired professor of history, uh, not of science. I'm not working for the government. I'm not working for anybody. I'm retired, and I'm doing this research that that is it's possibly the most important research ever to happen in the history of humankind. I do think that this is the greatest existential threat that's ever happened. And and I look around, and there's a few other people doing it. There's uh, Kathleen Martin. There's Yvonne Smith. There's Jed Turnbull. There's a couple of others, but not but, enough. Not enough, and and not heavy hitter scientists who have contacts with other scientists who can set up uh, bridges to doing doing DNA and this and that. I mean... I'm with you. All right, all right. Uh, Dale? Uh, still, yes. we, we still have Dale. Go ahead, Dale, if you have anything else. Yeah, the other thing was, uh, Professor, last show you were saying that uh, a rare few people, uh, when the mind control started, were able to snap out of it and not be controlled. From your experience with hypnosis, would it be able, uh, would we be able to install a key that if someone detected the onset of that mind control, would give them a rush of rage or something that would snap them out of it? I tried this once early on. Early on, what I did was I had a person um, uh, draw dots on his chest Mm. with different colored uh, ink or pencils or something. Mm -hmm. And I knew that they would notice that the gray aliens, in those days I thought everything was gray aliens, and that the gray aliens would look at that and ask him, what's this? You know, are you sick or something or whatever? You know, there's something they never saw. And that then would um, would open his mind to ask a question that we had agreed upon. Uh-huh. And it worked. They said, what's this? He remembered, oh, that's right, I've got to ask that question. And he didn't exactly snap out of it, but he suddenly was in a different mental state. Uh, and um, then he became frightened that if he asked the question, they would know that he was knowing what was going on, and and he got scared at that, so he didn't say anything. What is that called, Professor? Um, A post-hypnotic suggestion? No, because it was uh, uh, the dots were on his chest. Yes, I understand that, but the fact that he is reminded of that in a post-hypnotic state, that... Well, well... Yes, I didn't order him. I just said that this would probably, let's see if this works. Right. I wasn't giving him any post-it. Post-it not a suggestion. last about 15 minutes at most. Uh, but um, That was the best but, I could do. I don't know what it's called. That's why I asked. 
Yeah, but it, I'm sure, I, well, it's such an odd situation in that his mind is being controlled by these beings. But, uh, but he, and I, I tried it with somebody else who asked, uh, who did manage to ask a question. And the question was a, this dumb, stupid question, which was, uh, do you sleep? This was early on. And, um, and she reported back to me that they said that uh, um, we are all we we always sleep or we're always asleep or something like that. And and I thought, oh, that's interesting. But now that I look back on it, I realize that was confabulation. They probably didn't say that. She probably just picked that mm. up out of her own mind. Okay. Uh, don't ask me how I know that, but I I know it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go outside the country. I think all the way to Romania. Hello. Uh, uh, well. I've got a question for Professor Jacobs. Go ahead. The question is, uh, what if uh, we've been planted here thousands of years ago to serve their procreation process uh, later on when uh, we reach the, uh, let's say, sufficient numbers? Or I don't know. I mean, uh, we could be a tool for them. That's actually a pretty interesting question. We were placed here by them for procreation for this very future purpose that's what you're saying right yeah yeah professor well once again anything is possible but the problem here is that, that you do have an archaeological record uh that is is continually being filled in uh by the finding of bones archaeology or physical anthropology rather is uh is bone driven you know and the more you learn about more bones you find the more you learn about early humans and there were different types of early humans uh, one of which uh, arose above the others. Uh, it's, it's, it's not just a tree. It's not just a line of you know early humans and then more modern humans and more modern and then right. us. It's more like a bush where you have uh, early humans. They just sort of died out for various reasons and other kinds of humans that died out and then the Homo sapiens t- took precedence. Um, so there is that record and it goes back millions of years. And and uh, so there, in other words, there's there is the suddenness of the of of the growth of the brain but that's always been explained through uh, a, a mutation that take, took place in the brain which helped the brain to grow and, and the cerebellum and all the rest of this stuff and and then they've created modern humans either that or the obelisk either that or, <laughs> or the obelisk <laughs> sorry I, I just can't resist every now and then uh, first time caller line you're on the air with professor jacobs hello Going once. First time caller line, going twice. Gone. Uh, too bad. Chance missed. Roanoke, I think you're on the air. Hello? Yes, hello. Yes, Art. Great to hear from you. I retired in July, and I heard you were coming back on, and great timing. Well, I, I started back up in July, so there you go. Yeah. Synchronicity of some sort. Um, i been studying this cattle mutilation stuff for the last 20 years since Linda Moulton Howell started out with it. Yes, sir. And I think it's tied directly in with this hybrid thing. So do I. I, I, I've got this feeling that early on they were looking at uh, mammals, specifically cows, and the reproductive system and all the rest of it. And that, that, if you remember, that's exactly one of the main areas of interest. Those areas were cut out, you'll recall. Right. So I'm with you. I don't know about the professor, but I'm with you. I, I see a relationship. 
Well, it, it just stands to reason they take the same parts, and, you know, we're getting up to tens of thousands of cattle the last 30, 40 years. And yes, sir. They're making incubation parts. I'm I'm with you all the way. Professor, uh, what do you think? Relationship? No relationship. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've always sort of I've kept my distance from, from crop circles and from right. cattle mutilations. Uh, because I don't think that there's enough evidence that they're that they're aliens. If, however, aliens oh. are doing it, um, it's 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 a peripheral event. It might be ultimately, although they're not taking the whole cow or the whole uh, the, the whole horse or whatever, but it might be uh, to produce food. But then again, there's so many hybrids around. I think I don't think there's enough. Professor, you need to look more carefully into the records uh, that this gentleman is talking about. They specifically excised, in fact, in fact surgically, Linda Moulton Howe really goes into this, uh, the, the sexual parts of cows and the reproduction uh, system, and it was done in a way that humans literally couldn't do it. And that's what this gentleman is referring to. It could have been early research in, into, I mean, just as we experiment on rats, right? Right, but but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be early research because abductions are already going on. Well, yeah, and the whole program is already in effect. Right, caller. I, you know, the the hybrid stuff started in the early '60s or somewhere in there. Oh no, I mean the abductions started a lot earlier, but not the hybrid thing. No, the hybrids. Well, professor, that's a good well, question. Actually, relations kind of started at the same time. That's okay, all. all right. It is a good question, and uh, uh, as I said, Bud Hopkins first ran across it in the in the early 1980s, uh, and so therefore it must have started earlier than that. And uh, so it, it could have started at the beginning of the phenomenon itself, which might be the you know early 20th century or late 19th century. And and the question is, were they producing hybrids? Or were they beginning to produce hubrids, the ones who are going to be moving in? And, right. And we we don't know. Once again, I'm I'm sorry to keep saying we don't know for every every question. That's you asked, know, when you don't know, that's what you need to say. <laughs> I, I wish I knew more, but um, the fact is, though, that um, it could be that they didn't start producing the ones who are moving in until relatively recently. Recently, yeah. It's always possible. Okay, uh, very quickly, uh, back outside the country somewhere. Hello, Mario. Hello, uh, gentlemen. How are you? Australia, I take it. Yes, fine. Uh, yes, that's right. Um, I'd like to run a hypothetical for you. Um, so let's just say tomorrow you get the DNA confirmation for yourself and um, you find out what you're saying is 100% spot on. Um, knowing that they've been doing it for so long and chances are they've probably infiltrated government, media, probably lots of different places agreed where does it leave us what what can you we honestly do are you familiar with the initials sol uh not off the top of my head okay well may not have made it to australia in other words um probably not left in a good place uh professor uh yeah there's there, there's really not a whole lot work we can do we're dealing with a an advanced technological group and uh, we could try to bomb them with atomic bombs, but of course uh, we don't know where they are. And they and they're and the whole thing is when you have technology that requires invisibility, uh, it's it's really tough to, uh, to to set set the army or the air force on them. 
um, there's there's not a whole, even if we find out, even if scientists figure out how to stop abductions, uh, they might, because they're so technologically advanced, they might, uh, the aliens might find a work around, around whatever we do. All right, Professor, uh, look, our show is ending. Uh, this could go on and on and on, and I'm assuming what you're uh, documenting will go on and on and on, but your book is called Walking Among Us, and if people want to know more, that's what they should do is get your book. In the meantime, we'll certainly have you on again, but my God, what a night. I, I really thank you for being with us. Anything else you want to plug or say before you go? Um, no, uh, just um, uh, whoever wants to uh, start doing this research, learn how to do it and do it. Help me. <laughs> you, you definitely need help, uh, Professor, and I, I mean that in the most scientific of ways. Thank you for being here. Again, it has been my pleasure. It, kind of a worrisome topic, kind of. <laughs> Very worrisome invasion. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Good night, sir. Um, okay, that's it for tonight. We really could have gone on. My God, what a program. So, good night, everybody. All the uh, time zones around the world, it's been a pleasure being with you. And I've enjoyed serving man. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can't help it. Good night, everybody. See you tomorrow night. <laughs>